Welcome to What To Do When, the podcast that you can turn to whenever you want to get unstuck. I'm Kathleen, I'm your host, and I'll be your trusted guide, your coach, and your friend through all of life's trickiest moments. Each episode, myself and guest experts will be tackling the real, raw, and relatable challenges that life tends to throw your way. Together, we're going to be navigating actually how to do the inner work, equipping you with the tools to empower yourself and to create the life that you've always envisioned. So if you've been feeling stuck with something in your life, submit your question via the link in the show notes and we could be diving into your question in the next episode. Let's dive in. Hello, my friends. Today, we are diving into, frankly, a topic and a question that my brain just doesn't even want me to address. So I'm going to start this episode by being courageous and speaking back to this voice that keeps telling me that it's shameful to be this. My name is Kathleen and I'm lonely right now and I have been for some time. And this topic has come up so many times and ironically it came up twice in my client sessions this week. And this in both times and within this, within myself that I've been noticing, it is just filled with shame. Have you ever been lonely? Are you lonely right now? Have you ever experienced this emotion of loneliness? Have you ever got to the point where it's a Friday night and you're at home and you've got no plans and you start feeling that sense of loneliness starting to creep in and then all these thoughts start to come up like, oh my God, I'm such a loser. I have no friends. And then maybe you start to, you know, try and numb a bit. So you start picking up your phone and scrolling on Instagram. And then you start watching people's stories and you see them out with all their friends and having this amazing life. And suddenly you feel lonelier and more like a loser than ever. And you are just shrouded in shame. And it's a painful experience. And so you go and you numb and you drink and you binge Netflix, you eat all the food that you can possibly find and you try to distract yourself in whatever way you can from this big feeling of loneliness, of isolation, of sadness, of anxiety, of embarrassment, whatever it is. And these are my experiences too. And I really want to start by sharing this episode is really going to be answering the question of what to do when you are lonely. But I think a big part of this is also normalizing the fact that we are in a loneliness epidemic right now. We are facing so much of it. We are facing higher rates of anxiety and depression and loneliness than ever before. Even though we live in such a connected world, there's so much going on. There's so many complexities within ourselves and our lives that isolating ourselves and disconnecting from people is a common occurrence. And this has really been hitting me hard, probably for the last... I'd say the last 18 months, honestly, I have felt lonelier than ever. And it's really, really scaring telling you this. My brain wants me to justify it to you. It wants me to tell you all the reasons why it might make sense that I'm lonely right now. Like the fact that I've moved to a new country, that I've been away from my family, that I've been changing a lot over the years. But the truth is that that doesn't actually matter. I'm actually just lonely. And what I've learned from truly studying my own loneliness And being in such a deep relationship with it over the last year is how much judgment I've had around being lonely. How much shame I have put upon myself and that I've been carrying for being lonely. And I know that this is not just my experience. I know that it's shared and I know 
that it can feel really scary to feel alone. To even admit that you feel lonely is hard. And I have had the thought of creating this episode and talking about loneliness for a really long time. But again, my brain hasn't wanted to admit that this is something that I'm struggling with because of the shame, because of the stories, because of so many things. And when it came up in a couple of my client sessions this week, I really had to have this chat with myself where I was like, Kathleen, come on. This is a topic that we need to actually dive into and understand because there are so many people experiencing it. And frankly, it's hard. It's really hard to be in this place where you're lonely, where maybe you don't know who you are right now. Maybe you're going through a change or a transition. Maybe you're moving somewhere. Maybe you just don't like the same things that you did. Maybe you've gotten a new job. Maybe you're going through things with your family or you've just gone through a breakup or Maybe your friends have had kids and you haven't and maybe you're just feeling lonely and we don't really know what to do when that happens. We don't know what to do when it strikes and what I've seen a lot within myself and within other people and my clients and my friends that I've had these conversations with is these really unhealthy coping mechanisms that we start to engage in like emotional eating, like drinking, like binging on food, like watching Netflix so much, like becoming obsessed with social media so much so much can happen from this place I think we tend to avoid this emotion of loneliness because we've been taught that it's a really bad emotion to feel so today I really want to dive into loneliness in itself I want to help unshame it with you for you and for myself too and I want us to really break it down and understand it and I want to give you kind of a step-by-step method of what to do when you're lonely I'm going to be sharing with you the tools and the strategies that I have not for curing loneliness, but for maybe starting to heal around this particular emotion. So if you are lonely, you've come to the right place and I kind of can't wait to, to dive in with you. So let's start by talking about the different types of loneliness that we can experience. And really, I think there are two core types of loneliness and the first is emotional meaning that you're lacking intimate close or deep connections you're lacking that vulnerable connection with people you're struggling to feel understood to feel seen to feel heard it can be kind of this thing where you know you might be in a room full of people and you might feel more alone than you've ever felt before you might be in a club with your friends dancing the night away and you just feel alone and isolated and separate And this, I think, really indicates to us this emotional loneliness where you're lacking deep connection with somebody, intimate connection with people. Then we have the second type of loneliness, which I think we would refer to as social loneliness, meaning that you're lacking connection with others, with group, with community, companionship. Those feelings of belonging are kind of absent for you. And I really think this one is truly driven from that more survival instinct part of our brains and our bodies I always refer to it as our our cave person-esque brain that really really strives to be in community and to be connected with other people and that's because being connected with others being part of a community part of a group part of a tribe means that you're more you're more likely to survive your chances of survival are higher and what we forget about is that a lot of our unconscious everyday drivers including our emotions our feelings our beliefs they come from those survival instincts that we all have that we're all born with 
And they're pushing us to connect with people. They're pushing us to survive and to find the best ways to survive. And usually that's being part of a community, being part of a family, being in connection with a group of people because it's way easier to survive when you're part of a group than it is if you are alone. And I think this is why loneliness is such a scary emotion in particular and something that we tend to suppress and avoid in whatever way we can because of the fact that it can sometimes feel like you're about to die. It can feel extremely overwhelming because it's threatening those survival instincts. And so I think that's really important to understand. So those are the two types of loneliness, emotional, which is more about that deep intimacy, and then social, which I would relate more to community, to family, to group. It's being around people. And I think it's important for you to think and get clear on, which when we go to the steps later is to actually get clear on what type of loneliness are you experiencing? Is it that you, you know, maybe you've got a really good circle of friends and, you know, you've got um, good a great connection with your family, maybe you have a partner, maybe you don't, but maybe you're actually feeling like you're lacking intimacy with them. Maybe you don't feel, really feel like you have a deep connection or feel understood or seen for who you are. Maybe it feels really surface level. Maybe that's the type of connection that you're lacking that's bringing about this loneliness for you. And maybe it doesn't make sense because from the outside, maybe you have people, but on the inside, you could be craving something different. And we need those two types of connection. I think it's really funny when people talk about, you know, not wanting surface level connection. But for me, in my experience, I do have a couple of really deep connected relationships with my mum, with some of my best friends. And though sometimes they're not really physically close to me emotionally we're very vulnerable and raw with each other and I I have that cup filled and what I in my experience with loneliness what I realized was that the type of loneliness I was experiencing was more in the social category I felt like and I feel like I'm lacking a bit of community that's the part that I think I'm missing right now and it was really interesting to get clear on that and so for you, I want you to think about in this moment, if loneliness is something that you've been struggling with, what type of loneliness are you experiencing? Or is it a mix of both? Now let's talk about why loneliness is so uncomfortable, okay? And I've narrowed it down to three things because, again, what I've seen the most and what I think makes this more of a problem is we avoid our loneliness. We numb it, we stuff it down, we do whatever we can to not admit that we're lonely and to not feel loneliness or the emotions that accompany it. And I think it's so uncomfortable because of the fact that there's so much shame surrounding loneliness. And ironically, whenever I've done exercises with my clients in working with loneliness, and when I've done this with myself, loneliness can become kind of this monster. It can become this big creature and I think it thrives off that because of the shame. I think it becomes so big because there's so much shame around being lonely, around not being liked, around not having enough friends. And I really think this leans into our ego's stories. There is so much, what well, when you're feeling lonely, the two things that you engage in are comparing yourself and setting fucking high expectations for what your life and your relationships are meant to look like. We really, really fall into that comparison trap. And I think something that you need to check within yourself is 
what are the expectations that you've developed for your life and for your friendships and relationships? What do you think they're supposed to look like based on what you're seeing on social media or based on what other people have experienced? Because your experience is going to be very different to somebody else's. And sometimes our loneliness can thrive and become even more of this monster when we have these ridiculously high expectations of what our life and relationships and how many friends we're supposed to have. It really took a lot for me to admit that I was lonely because of the fact that there were all these stories about how much of a loser I was, about how nobody likes me, about how I've been a bad friend, how I'm too weird or I'm too serious and how I've done this to myself because I'm so independent and I can have a tendency sometimes to push people away or to isolate myself. And you can see with all these stories that are coming up for me, it's just layered in shame. Every single story which is coming from my ego is layered in shame. It is shrouded in it. It is drowning in it. And if you can imagine not only facing the emotion of loneliness, you've now got all of this shame sitting on top of it. And you start to feel like you can't breathe. You start to feel like something's wrong with you, that you're separate from other people, that you're too different. And I think this is the first reason why loneliness is so uncomfortable is because of our stories. And this is really almost what makes it worse. Now, the second reason I think why loneliness is thriving in the world right now, studies showing one in four people are lonely right now. And the reason I think why it's so bad is because we avoid, suppress, and stuff down the feeling of loneliness or anything within that kind of wheelhouse because it's so uncomfortable to feel and we have had a tendency over the last however many years in being this human race to avoid things that are uncomfortable. It's pretty natural for our bodies and our brains to avoid discomfort. And so there are all these emotions like loneliness, sadness, anxiety, whatever it is, all related to loneliness that we've developed the idea that they're uncomfortable to feel, which they can be if you're not used to actually feeling or being in connection with those emotions, they can be really uncomfortable to feel. So we tend to avoid them, to stuff them down, to numb them in whatever way we can. It's painful to sometimes feel some of these things and it goes against everything in our innate nature to be lonely or to even admit that you might be because we have these big instincts to survive as human beings so much of our brains and bodies are programmed for survival for evolutionary survival and this is why we crave community and belonging and connection it's because like I said it's so much safer to your brain to your little cave person brain your monkey brain that exists and drives so much of your thoughts your decisions and your actions it's so much safer to be part of a tribe or a community because there's safety in numbers Whereas surviving on your own can be a lot harder. And this is why I think we have so much judgment and shit around being lonely and shame because we don't want to admit it or do anything about it because it's scary to our brains and our bodies to admit that we're lonely and admit that it's a problem because then it, it, threaten the, it threatens those survival instincts. And then ironically, the more that we avoid feelings of loneliness, the more we distract or we numb with alcohol or a casual hookup on a, you know, Friday night at the club, the more we stuff it down, the bigger it becomes. 
And so instead of on a Friday night when you've got no plans and you're at home scrolling on your Instagram stories and you see people out and about having this great time with all their friends and you start to compare yourself to them and you start to feel a bit lonely because you've not got plans on a Friday night, instead of you just facing the loneliness from this particular moment, you are opening Pandora's box of the 23,000 other times that you felt just a little bit lonely or a little bit sad in your life that you've stuffed down over the years, that you've attempted to distract yourself or numb it with with a box of cookies, a family-sized block of chocolate, a chicken pad chai, that was my go-to, and three glasses of wine, right? Watching, binge-watching Gilmore Girls or whatever other comfort show you take part in for the 15th, 16th, 17th, 20th time. When we don't feel something, when we avoid it, the feeling doesn't just disappear. The emotion and the energy behind it doesn't just disappear. They stack on top of each other and they begin to form these huge emotional mountains that you just don't have the energy to conquer because they're so huge and they feel even more scary than they already are. And I think this is one of the biggest issues with loneliness is the fact that we numb and suppress and we avoid it because it's surrounded in so much shame. The challenge here and why I think so many of us are experiencing crippling levels of loneliness to the point where we can't do anything about it, right? It's it's almost like this overwhelming thing and you start to believe all those stories. Something ro- Something is wrong with me. People don't like me. I'm not capable. I'm weird. I'm separate from people. When you start to believe all those stories... It becomes impossible for you to actually go out and meet people or for you to say to, you know, an old friend, hey, I'd love to reconnect. You know, I feel like we've grown apart. It's hard to say to your partner, hey, um, I actually really want us to talk about something deeper instead of just chatting about our day today. I actually want to talk about my feelings. I want to connect more with you. That becomes really hard because you're not only dealing with what you're facing here in this moment, it's bringing up all of this past shit, all of those other stacked up emotions that you have to deal with in that moment. And in that moment, that becomes too overwhelming. So you shut down, you go to your unhealthy coping mechanisms, you drink, you emotionally eat. That's what I did. I would turn to food, I would turn to alcohol, and I I put on the TV. I put on the TV and I watch Gilmore Girls, Grey's Anatomy, Friends, whatever comfort show I'm currently re-watching at the moment, it's The Office, um, which is brilliant. And I love that I have that to, to support me and distract me in hard moments. But doing that continues to numb, to numb these emotions. And like I said, you're building this emotional mountain of suppression, of all these suppressed emotions that at some stage you are not going to be able to carry anymore. If you think about it, if we use an analogy of a, a backpack that you know, takes on all of the emotions that you've been avoiding or numbing or suppressing, all of the uncomfortable emotions, when you've been sad, lonely, angry, whatever it is that you don't want to feel and you've distracted yourself, all those emotions and the energy behind them are going into that backpack and that backpack is fucking heavy. And now you have to climb this mountain every time you feel lonely if you want to get over it, if you want to be able to actually have the courage to post in a community Facebook group, hey, I'm looking for some friends. You now have to carry this really heavy fucking backpack and climb this giant mountain. And that, frankly, just feels overwhelming and exhausting for most of us. Now, the third thing, which kind of continues on here about why loneliness is so challenging is, and this is taking it to the deeper level of that, you know, emotional suppression and avoidance and the mountain and the backpack that we were just talking about, is that loneliness and being in a moment where you are alone in your life, which 
it happens. It's, it can be, you can be situationally lonely, right? When you are changing or evolving as a person, when you are going through different stages in life, when you are moving countries, maybe you've just moved overseas and you literally know nobody, when you are changing jobs or whatever it is, you can end up being situationally lonely. And when you're lonely in these places and stages of your life, which happens for so many of us, it, it almost is an unavoidable part of life to go through a lonely stage, as it can tend to trigger a core wound of belonging or abandonment. If you, in your kind of first seven years of life, if you were abandoned or if you felt different, which a lot of us did, it can trigger all of that stuff. So this goes really deep into our core wounds that are created during those first seven years of our life. In our childhood with our primary attachment figure, so think about your parent, your caregiver, whoever it was that provided for you or looked after you as a child, this relationship with that person and that first person that you have it with in those first seven years, your primary attachment figure and your relationship with them creates the relationship blueprint for connection for the rest of your adult life. It becomes the blueprint that you know how to operate from. It becomes how you do things as an adult. For example, if you were abandoned by a parent or caregiver early on, either physically or emotionally, right? Maybe they were just emotionally not there for you, or maybe they physically left you, or maybe they just weren't available at all to talk to you and to support you. As a child, you will then carry this pain into adulthood, and you'll also have this experience of this core wound getting triggered every time you feel lonely on top of all the other times that you've felt a little bit lonely or a bit sad or any other of those uncomfortable emotions that you've stuffed down because you didn't know how to feel them you've not been taught that that's not your fault but it's a byproduct of what's happening in our lives at the moment you then trigger this core wound at the same time on top of everything else again making the experience of loneliness 10 times harder so much harder to deal with, which usually means that you end up developing bigger coping mechanisms because it's now done not only just, oh, I'm facing this one emotion of loneliness. I'm now facing one emotion of loneliness, the 20 other stacked emotions of loneliness and sadness and anxiety of when I faced loneliness at other times in my life before that I haven't been able to address or to feel. And I'm also um, getting my core wound of abandonment or belonging triggered can you look, if you look at that, look at how much stuff it's actually triggering in that one moment of feeling lonely. This is why loneliness is so hard to deal with is because it's usually not just about this one moment in time when you happen to be feeling lonely on a Friday night because you've got no plans and you're seeing that everybody else does. You're triggering all these other experiences and potentially a core wound. And it becomes this, like I said, huge emotional mountain that you feel like you have to climb or cross or get over. And it becomes really overwhelming. And so you shut down, you numb, you look after yourself, you know, you watch Gilmore Girls for the 20th time, you order some nice takeaway, and you stay in your little comfort bubble of being lonely and you're unable to change, you're unable to do anything about it, and you continue to experience this. And this keeps stacking. So these are some things that are going to trigger these experiences and that are going to make loneliness worse or make it happen more. So let's talk about what triggers loneliness. And I want you to get curious, which of these trigger loneliness for you? And these are just some things to think about. And also think about if there's any that we're not covering here. But 
the two things that I really see that make loneliness a lot worse are the expectations that we place on ourselves. And again, social media is a fantastic tool, but it's also really fucking annoying sometimes because you're seeing people's highlights. You're seeing them go out every night. You're seeing them having these beautiful game nights with their family, for example. You're seeing them going out with friends. You're seeing them go to events. You're seeing them out on date night with their partner. And maybe you're single and like, why am I alone? And maybe that happens for you. And you have this idea in your head that your social status and your relationships are meant to look like somebody else's and that you need to have X many relationships with people in order to feel like you're enough and you're worthy and you're not lonely. For me, I've never been, or except for a very mild time in my late teens and early 20s when I was drinking and partying, that was the only moment in life where I felt like I had a lot of friends and a lot of connection. But outside of that, my connections have always been few and far between, but strong and deep. And I spent years of my life, and even now, I found as I went on a break from social media over the holidays, I came back to social media and I had that experience of going straight back into scrolling on people's stories. And I had the comparison and the expectations get triggered for me where I went, oh my God, they're going out X many times or they have so many friends and I don't have as many friends as they do and I'm such a loser. And I realized that there were all of these expectations that I was placing upon myself for how many relationships and friendships I was meant to have because I thought that my loneliness would be cured by having X amount of people. I even remember when I turned 21, I had this big 21st party and I had this goal in my head that I needed to be able to invite a hundred people and then I would have made it. And if I didn't, I would be such a loser. I needed to have a hundred friends that I could invite. And again, it just shows these ridiculous expectations that we have. Some of us are more social than others. Some of us have more social capacity and social battery. Some of us are just geared more towards things like community. For me, I grew up with a solo parent. I grew up away from any sort of, you know, big family connections. And we made family connections in a new country. And so I also am an only child. I don't have any siblings. And so for me, I don't ever think I'm going to be that type of person that has a huge social battery. I'm an introvert. I get energy from being on my own. And so for me, it's about getting clear on what are the expectations and that I have of myself, given who I am, versus people in my life or other people that you might see on social media who have the complete opposite experience to you. Maybe they're an extrovert. Maybe they've always grown up around, you know, a bunch of people. Maybe they have a huge family. Maybe they were never alone. And so for them, that connection and community comes maybe slightly easier to them than it does for you. Maybe you're you're better at forming deeper connections. Who knows? But again, check these bloody expectations of yourself. We're not meant to always have plans on a Friday night. We don't need to fill our lives with all of this connection in order to be able to feel okay and enough within ourselves. I think it's just our ego's expectations that sometimes thrive and harm us and stop us from actually getting clear on what do I want and what's going to help me feel good and feel fulfilled within myself. Because I know in that patch of my life where 
my ego was just driving and I was drinking and partying and in a really, really harmful place with myself, that was a time in my life when I had the most friends. And were those connections deep and fulfilling and meaningful? Did I feel supported all the time? No, I was at the unhealthiest I've ever been in my life, was struggling with a chronic eating disorder that nobody knew about. And I was really struggling with my drinking to the point where people were having conversations with me about how I was drinking. And it really came from this place of almost self-harm. I was at this point in my life where I was about to change and I didn't know who I was and I didn't feel good enough. And it was really scary to face all those emotions. And they were just building, 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 building. And what was happening was on top of all that, I was lonely in the emotional way. I had all the social connection, but again, my emotional connections with people, they were missing. I wasn't putting a lot of focus on, I was putting focus on numbers. And so it was really interesting to, to reflect back on that time and look at how I am now. And now I am missing the numbers. I am missing some of the community and the connection. And I know that that's something I'm looking at changing this year. But I also know that I still want to put a lot of effort into the deep emotional connections in my life where I'm vulnerable, where I feel seen, heard and understood. I know how important they are to me too. So what are your, where are your false expectations? Where are you comparing yourself to others? You get to decide what connection looks like for you in your life, how much of it you need. And you don't have to have X many people invited to your party to be enough. Now, the second thing that I really want to talk about that can trigger loneliness and make it a lot worse and to have it come up a lot more is transitioning in your life. If you're in a stage of life where you're changing, you're likely probably going to be growing apart from the people that maybe you were once close with. If your interests have, ch have changed, if you go from like me being a party girl to being a fucking life coach, the people that you surround yourself with are going to start to have to change and look different. And there's usually a point in the middle of that time where you won't have many people because you're letting go of some and that's hard. It's really hard to let go and we don't get over those relationships quickly and you're having to figure out how do I go about making new friends, right? As an adult, it's a lot harder to make friends than it is when you're at school or at university or, you know, you're playing sports. You have all these places and spaces in life where connection is easy to get, you know, it's prime to get. Whereas when you become an adult, often the primary place where you make friends is at work. And let's say maybe you work alone, maybe you work from home, maybe you work online, or maybe you just don't like the people you work with. Then where are you going to make friends? So again, it takes a lot of courage to get out that bubble that is your life and to go and find a hobby or to sign up for a class or whatever it might look like. When you're going through a transition or a change within your life, it can make loneliness a lot worse. It can amplify the feeling if you're, say for example, again moving to from one side of the country to the other or one side of the world to the other, for, for example. Or maybe your interests are changing. Maybe you go from liking heavy metal to liking the blues, you know. We are human beings that are designed to grow, evolve and change, but our almost the most caveman parts of our brain, our monkey brain, doesn't want us to change. It doesn't want us to grow. It doesn't want us to be different because when that happens, it means that we usually end up 
leaving friendships and relationships behind and go through that patch of time when we are alone as we start to develop new ones. And that can be really freaky, again, because there's safety in numbers. We are human beings that are primed for connection. And so there's always going to be these drivers within us that are wanting you to connect more with people and to surround yourself with people. And I think that's why it can be so hard when you're no longer resonating with a certain friendship. It can be so challenging to let them go. You know, same with, you know, long-term relationships. I've stayed in relationships far too long that weren't serving either of us. And it was because there were these parts of my brain that were saying, no, don't, you'll be alone. You'll be at risk of dying. Frankly, that's as, as intense as I can put it. Because again, when you have people in your life, your brain thinks this is going to ensure our chances of survival are higher. So there's also that sort of risk that your brain is constantly assessing that you're not really going to think about at a conscious level. It's happening beneath the surface. And that's why we like to say it's part of your cave person brain, your monkey brain, because it's just happening. We all have these drivers and these instincts within us that are wanting us to avoid loneliness because it is scary. And again, this is what I want to go into around the steps here because curing loneliness, which you're not going to cure it, but the steps of what to do when you're lonely look a lot different to what you might think they are. So let's move on to the third and final part of this podcast, which is the steps. It's the practical tools. It's the advice. It's the steps I'm following myself. It's the steps I'm teaching my clients of literally exactly what to do when you are lonely. So step one of eight, I've written eight whole steps. Step one of eight, we're going to, I've tapped into a few of them, but let's go through them. One, get clear on what kind of loneliness you're experiencing get clear on what it is that you are really craving and get clear on where your expectations are coming into play here where you're comparing your social life to other people's so really get clear on what it is that you're craving are you emotionally lonely are you socially lonely are you craving deep meaningful connections with people or are you craving to feel like you're part of a community or a group are you also putting ridiculous expectations upon yourself, even though you might be an introvert or even though you might be going through this massive change in your life? What's happening there? So that's step one is clarity. Step two, understand what triggers your loneliness. So when is this experience of loneliness where you have to fall into the, you know, numbing behaviors like emotional eating or binge watching Netflix or drinking, doing drugs, sex, even self-pleasure, so many of those things where and what triggers your loneliness? Is it when you're at home on a Friday night alone? Is it when you've got really big beautiful news to share? Maybe you get a promotion at work and you don't have anyone to share it with. Is it when you're like me watching people's Instagram stories and then comparing yourself to others? What triggers your loneliness? What makes it worse? Equip yourself with this information. Three, remind yourself that loneliness can also trigger past wounds and all of those suppressed emotions, all of those times that you felt lonely or sad or depressed or whatever it is in the past, as well as those core wounds of abandonment or betrayal or of belonging that maybe you haven't dealt with, it's triggering all of that in that moment. And this will also then compound with your survival instincts, that caveman part of your brain, our human drive for connection to survive, okay, is at play here at the same time. You have all these unconscious things getting triggered, which can make the emotion of loneliness seem a lot more scarier than it might really be and make the experience a lot worse. 
four, get clear on the part of you that's lonely. Get clear on your loneliness story, all the thoughts that are attached to this, all the beliefs. So here is the question that you can journal on. If I'm lonely, it means that I am, right? And so for me, I wrote, wrote down, if I'm lonely, it means that I'm a loser. I'm uncool. I'm not liked. I'm annoying. Get clear on what stories are likely coming from your ego or maybe even your inner child. Get clear on what stories are coming up around loneliness. Where are you judging yourself for being lonely? And how much is how much are these stories and, and this internal judgment making this experience a fuck ton worse for you to deal with? Step number five. So we're moving into what we need to do now befriend and this is about healing befriend and feel your loneliness your loneliness will encompass a bunch of emotions that we likely do not want to feel because they're uncomfortable because of all the reasons we've talked about but it's often the act of suppressing or avoiding or stuffing down the loneliness the fear the worry the sadness the embarrassment that creates and compounds to build this massive stack of emotions that get triggered every time you feel alone making it 10 times worse your loneliness is a bid for connection and sometimes we're so focused on outward connection thinking that that's the only way that we're going to be able to fix this feeling of loneliness is outward connection with other people we often forget that a big part of loneliness can be about internal loneliness, about connecting with ourselves, with our younger parts, with our bodies. In other words, if you're ignoring or shutting down or pushing away the part of you that feels lonely or your emotion of loneliness or any of the emotions that accompany loneliness like sadness, then you're making your loneliness feel lonely and isolated and not seen or not heard or not loved. You are amplifying this experience for yourself. Every time you push loneliness away, if you can imagine that there's a little younger part of you, a little young version of yourself that's feeling this loneliness and feeling this worry and this fear, and all you're doing every time is going, oh, I do not want to feel or deal with you. I'm going to go distract myself with Netflix or with food, or I've got to, I've got to numb this and make myself feel better. Every time if you're doing this, you're also stacking on top of that loneliness. You're making the loneliness feel a lot worse. You're creating more internal judgment and shame upon yourself for feeling this way. And you're frankly making it 20 times worse than it maybe might be through this act of suppressing and avoiding and shoving it down. I think a huge part of loneliness is about connecting with loneliness. It's about befriending these parts of you that feel alone or scared or not cool or not popular. And you can do this through two recommended exercises. So number six and number seven in these steps is two exercises that I really recommend that you do to heal loneliness. Um, so step number six exercise, well, the first exercise I'm going to give you is about feeling your loneliness as a physical feeling or sensation in the body. So this is a somatic exercise. You can do this by whenever you have that lone thought of, oh my God, I'm so lonely or I'm such a loser. Whenever that comes up for you, I want you to actually start naming the feeling out loud if you can. So it can say, you can say something like, there's a part of me that's feeling lonely or I'm experiencing a feeling of loneliness or sadness right now. 
And then what I want you to do is to take a moment to actually feel and connect with the sensation of the energy of the emotion of loneliness. We think that loneliness is the story, is that I'm such a loser, I'm an idiot. We think it's the cognitive stories that we carry in our minds, but loneliness is an emotion, it's a feeling, it's made to be felt, it's a physical sensation, it's a contraction in the body. And when we don't feel this, when we just keep listening to those stories, we create more and more and more of them, the energy behind that emotion of loneliness gets stuck and trapped in our bodies, causing not only you know, mental symptoms like depression or anxiety, but also physical symptoms like IBS, like inflammation in the body, like other physical manifestations of suppressed emotions of loneliness can be really interesting. So this exercise, and again, don't make it complex. You do not need to sit down and wallow and roll around on the carpet and, you know, cry and have a three-hour meltdown and have this big cathartic release to be doing this exercise well. Befriending loneliness and doing this somatic exercise with loneliness is literally just about taking 30 seconds. So when you have that thought of, oh my God, I'm so lonely or I feel awful right now, instead of engaging with those stories, close your eyes, take a breath. And try and name and feel and connect to what loneliness and the emotion and the energy of the emotion feels like in your body. So if this is confusing to you, think about anger. If you ever felt angry, you know that anger is a very physical sensation. You really feel the energy of anger, right? You can feel, you can see red or you can feel yourself begin to heat up or, con, you know, contract into a ball. Lone, uh, anger is one of those emotions that we can really feel the energy quite easily behind it. So we can also do this with our loneliness, what would loneliness feel like in your body? Would it feel like a pit in your stomach? Would it feel like waves? Would it be the color blue or orange? You know, visualize it. All I want you to do here is instead of avoiding and suppressing it further, can you take just 30 seconds to feel your loneliness physically as a sensation in the body? And what this is doing is it's almost letting the feeling be felt rather than stacking it on top and saving it for later and putting it in that emotional backpack that you've got to carry up the mountain later on. This is what it's doing. And I think there's a real uh, a real kind of misconstrued idea here that when it comes to somatic work and feeling your feelings and emotions, that it has to be this big giant experience where you sit there and cry for three hours it's not it, all right? I'm going to say it over and over and over again. I would much rather you sit there and feel a feeling that you've been struggling with or carrying for a long time. I'd much rather you sit there and feel it for 30 seconds and just kind of pay attention to the feeling or the sensation and then move on with your day. I would much rather you do that for 30 seconds every day rather than go through this big cathartic three-hour experience once every two months that absolutely destroys you and you feel like you can't move for three days because it was so tiring, okay? So remember this. Loneliness is a feeling in the body and it's made to be felt. So often we really get stuck in the stories of it and the I'm so cool, I'm so not cool, I'm such a loser rather than actually feeling sensation. And learning to feel these sensations is huge. And 
I really wish that, you know, I knew this at a younger age that if I'm struggling with an emotion or if I'm feeling really upset or, you know, something like that, I don't have to go and engage in, you know, my unhealthy coping mechanisms like emotional eating and binge eating, um, which were my common behaviors that I could just sit there for 30 seconds and talk to my feelings and just feel it for a second and I might feel better. I wish I knew that at a younger age and that's why I'm so passionate about this work. Allow the feelings and the energy of the emotions to pass through your body and let that be okay. It'll help you to disconnect from the stories. Now exercise number two, and which is step number seven here, I hope you're all keeping up. Um, I'll put this all in the show notes as well, these steps, because I think it might be really helpful, is doing parts work. So whenever an emotion comes up, what's happening here is it's triggering a part of you that is experiencing that emotion. And this part of you could be, you know, seven or 14 or 25 or two this part of you is a specific age and has gone through their own experiences. It's a part of you almost like if you can imagine uh, multiple personalities and the greatest way to think about parts and parts theory, which is what I work in with my clients, is to think about when you're trying to make a decision and part of you goes, oh, part of me wants to do this, but a part of me wants to do that. That right there is an example of two different parts of you with two different sets of beliefs and experiences existing, right? Especially it's really common I hear when people are thinking about breaking up with a partner they've been with for a long time. There's usually a part of them that is, you know, very reminiscent and wants to stay with them because, you know, they had, they've got so much history, they have so many good times. And then there's this part of them that wants to grow and develop and change and knows that it's time. It's really interesting. So learn to work with the part of you that's feeling this loneliness. And one of my favorite ways to do this is by externalizing the part. And this has become my favorite exercise to do with clients recently. Whenever they've been struggling with an emotion or with something, I've got them to externalize it. And it's really, it's really a part of play. Um, it's very playful and it's really weird and it's funny and it challenges people to get out of their heads. So we do this by externalizing the emotion that you're feeling. So if it's loneliness that you're struggling with, I want you, and I've given this exercise to bloody every single client under my belt this last year, go and find an object wherever you are right now, whether it's in your room that could represent that emotion. So go find an object that represents loneliness. Is it a soft toy that you've got? Is it a pillow? Is it a drink bottle? Is it an old pumpkin? No, that's a bit weird, isn't it? But go find something that could represent loneliness that's external to you and make friends with it, talk to it, build a relationship with it. What this does is it really helps you to, again, almost imagine yourself pulling out that feeling and putting it in something else. And that way you can start to talk to it and you can be more connected to your true self, your adult self, rather than probably the much younger version or the much more triggered version of you that feels this emotion of loneliness. You can begin to start to talk to it. So this is why... It's so much easier to give great advice and, you know, really kind, compassionate, loving advice to a friend when they're going through something rather than when you're experiencing it yourself. If you had a friend that was experiencing loneliness, if you had a friend come up to you and say, I'm really struggling with loneliness right now, think about how you would treat them. 
think about what words you'd say to them. You'd probably give them a massive hug. You'd probably say, hey, I'm here for you. You're not alone. I love you. I know it's really hard right now. Loneliness isn't something to be ashamed of. You'd probably say something along those lines. But if you were feeling lonely, you're probably saying to yourself, I'm such a loser. Why am I going through this? I need to have more friends. I just need to get over it. You're being completely opposite. And that's because you're experiencing it. It's really hard to give yourself that advice. Whereas when it's a friend, it's external to you. It's outside yourself. It's not so close to you. Therefore, it's easier to give true and heartfelt and meaningful advice because you're not connected to all of your ego's stories and all this bullshit that our brains can tend to get caught up in. So this is why this exercise of making, and I know it sounds so funny, but give it a try, okay, and laugh your way through it. This is why externalizing an emotion you're struggling with, like loneliness, into an object. My favorite is usually a soft toy or a pillow or a drink bottle is so helpful because it then it almost makes it easier to deal with because it's not as close to you so do this exercise and I know it sounds crazy but when you come home and you see that object you know that it's your loneliness say hello to it greet it say hey loneliness how you doing today how how's loneliness feeling today ask it what it needs what do you need to hear how can I support you do you need a bit of comfort and this is why cushions or soft toys are usually preferable because you can give them a hug and I know it feels weird but roll with it okay so again focus on externalizing it to something else outside of you so it becomes a little bit easier to deal with and build a relationship with it build a relationship with this part of you or this emotion and get to know it learn how to meet its needs yourself really and this is just beautiful deep inner healing work here with these two exercises so we had the somatic exercise so sit there for 30 seconds and ask yourself what does loneliness physically feel like in my body you could even bring in the visual aspects what might it look like what color might it be is it heavy is it light is it moving is it still does it make weird shapes is it fiery is it you know all these questions you can start to ask yourself to to feel the emotion and instead of getting caught up in the shame spiral that you go go into so easily and readily when it comes to emotions like loneliness just focus on feeling that sensation for 30 seconds and then see how you feel then our second exercise was externalizing it putting it putting loneliness and making it an object making it a soft toy a cushion a drink bottle and talking to it every day before you go to bed hey loneliness how you doing what do you need to hear and again the reason this works and think about the example of when it's so easy to give loving and compassionate advice to a friend going through a hard time versus yourself is because they are outside of you so you can essentially repeat this process and do some really deep healing with yourself Now, our final step is get clear on the type of connection that you're craving and now work to meet or to create it. So this is the more action-focused step. And you can see here that the action and actually going out there and, you know, making new connections, it comes after the healing. It's important for you to go through that internal connection and to face the loneliness rather than to try and, you know, jump on the dating app straight away or go and meet a bunch of people because you'll likely find that if you do that, if you skip the healing steps and those exercises that we spoke about, 
you'll probably find yourself in similar situations where you might make friends you don't really feel that connected with. Or you might find yourself falling into old habits like people-pleasing or being an inauthentic version of yourself. You might find yourself having no boundaries or not speaking up for yourself. Or you might find yourself in a relationship where it's not deep and meaningful like you wanted it to be. So don't miss those healing steps. Don't miss building the internal connection with yourself before you go out there and start to go, okay, I'm craving more emotional connection. I might need to have a chat with my partner or my friends or my family and start talking about some deeper questions and some issues. I might need to bring up how I'm feeling with them to foster that deep emotional connection. Or you might be lacking social connection and community and you might need to go and join a netball team or start a class or join a choir or post in a Facebook group that you're looking for more friends. Those action steps are going to look really different. And I know that so many people, they go, oh, I'm lonely. I should just go and do one of those things and join a club or go out and make friends. And you find yourself really stuck being like, oh, I can't fucking do that. No way. I'm just going to stay at home and isolate and be by myself and watch Gilmore Girls again for the 20th time. It's absolutely me. It's a pattern I can fall into. You'll find yourself in that place because you haven't done the healing work. You haven't addressed all the other stuff that's coming up when it comes to loneliness. You haven't faced and felt it and built an internal connection with yourself. Your loneliness is still feeling lonely. And I think that's something that we don't think about. We try and put a band-aid over it. We try and surround ourselves with people. And then we get to the same place again where we're not fulfilled. And this is because... You haven't done those steps that we've spoken about beforehand. Okay, so that was a lot and I'm really excited to have shared it with you and to hopefully have normalized the emotion of loneliness. So here's the final recap. If you can make peace with the fact that you are lonely, if you can acknowledge all of the shameful stories that come up, if you can see your brain turning loneliness into this big, huge monster, if you can acknowledge all of the ways in which you try and avoid the fact that you are just a little bit lonely at this period in your life right now, if you can feel some of those emotions, if you can choose not to buy into all of the ego's stories that you've been creating in your brain, if you can judge yourself just a little bit less for feeling lonely, if you can be just a little bit more compassionate and understanding to the parts of you that are lonely, just like you'd be towards a friend that was feeling lonely, if you can see loneliness for what it truly is, which is simply this beautiful desire for connection in your life. And frankly, it also highlights the capacity that you have internally to love, which is beautiful. Maybe and just maybe then you will be able to actually start taking the actions like we talked about in that final step required to do something about it and to go after that social connection, to join a class, to ask someone out, to message an old friend. Maybe just maybe then that will happen. And ironically, I think it's the shame, the stories and the judgment that we have of ourselves for being lonely that stops us from connecting with anyone at all. And I think one of the best ways to start doing this is by changing your relationship that you have with this emotion of loneliness and all of the emotions that tend to accompany it. And that's what I mean by going through those exercises to start feeling it in your body for what it really is rather than all the stories that accompany it. Even if it's just for 30 seconds every day, 
sit there with your loneliness, feel the sensations, talk to it, tell this part of you, and this will be deeply healing for you now, if you're facing loneliness and you're struggling with it, I want you to really hear this, it is okay to feel lonely. It does not mean that you're a loser. It does not mean that you're going to die. It doesn't mean that nobody likes you. It just means that you are a human alongside everyone else experiencing these emotions of loneliness, which when I researched some some statistics around loneliness, it said that almost a quarter of the world was lonely. One in four people are lonely right now. And you are ironically so not alone in your loneliness. And as much as your brain tries to convince you otherwise, I hope that this episode has reminded you of this fact. So I'm going to end this again with this statement from my heart to yours that my brain doesn't want me to tell you, but my heart does. Because I know that it will probably make you feel a little bit less alone in your loneliness. And it's also helping me too, if, if I'm honest. My name is Kathleen and I am lonely right now. I'm feeling it. I acknowledge it. And by doing this work, I've been able to actually start to take the actions to take to change it, you know, to go out there and find community, which I'm really excited for and scared shitless. But by doing this deep healing work and working with these parts of me and facing my loneliness, I feel like I'm not crippled by it anymore. I'm able to accept it and judge myself less and I'm able to start posting in Facebook groups or joining a club or going to a lesson or whatever it is that I might want to do and I'm able to start having those connections and times and moments with my friends and my family where I say hey I'm a bit lonely I need to talk right now I'm able to be more vulnerable I'm able to connect at a deeper level with people which is incredibly fulfilling to me as a human being and I know it probably will be for you too we are all right here alongside you and yeah what a beautiful episode. So I hope that your loneliness is feeling a little bit less alone right now, that we've normalized it, and that you've got some really clear healing steps that you get to go through. So those two exercises, go and do them, go and try and experiment with them. So feeling the sensation of loneliness in your body for 30 seconds, and as well, putting loneliness into an object and talking to it you know you can also do this in your journal as well journaling is amazing because again the reason it helps so much and why it can feel so lightening to journal out a bunch of emotions is because it externalizes it it's distanced from you it doesn't feel as close and as overwhelming just like you know when I said it's so much easier to be kind and compassionate and you know level-headed with a friend than it is when you're facing it it's because it's too close sometimes so externalize it through journaling it or speaking it out loud or giving it to an object and then talking to it thank you so much for listening to this episode it was a deep and vulnerable one for me and I know it probably was for you too I know it takes courage to even click on an episode called what to do when you're lonely because your brain probably doesn't want you to admit that you're lonely right now like my brain didn't but I just hope that you know that it's okay to be lonely and at these times in your life. And yeah, you're not alone in this. If you are really, really feeling stuck around the healing steps, if you know that you've got some past wounds to address, if you know that there's a lot of issues that you've not been dealing with and emotions around this, if you've been stacking them on top of the, one another and 
you really want to get some support and some guidance on how to do this inner work and how to develop your own unique methods and somatic practices to be able to heal and process and let go of some of the pain and the shame and the self-doubt that you've been carrying this is what one-on-one coaching is for and it's what I specialize in. I help people transform from places of fear and lacking belief in themselves into places of acceptance and excitement and confidence and real trust in themselves that they can get through these hard moments. This is what I do inside one-on-one coaching through somatic work and inner child work and other parts work. And I have a couple of spaces opening in January for one-on-one coaching. If you're interested and you want to learn more, please go in to the link in the show notes. And what you'll find there is a link to the website where you'll see a lot more information about what coaching is really about. It'll give you an idea of whether you want to take, like whether it's going to be a fit for you and whether you want to explore it more. And then go ahead and book in a free connection call. So The reason I do connection calls, they're 30 minutes, it's literally a chat with me, is so that we can both get a feel for each other and assess if coaching is really the right fit for you and what you're facing. This call is really about getting to the root of what it is that is holding you back. It's really about me asking some of those prime key questions and you'll get a lot of information from this to be able to understand what's going on for you at a deeper level. It's a beautiful call where we check in and see is the vibe right between us, is coaching right for you and also you get to walk away with that information of what is really holding me back. So go ahead and book in that call and yeah, you're worth it. You're worth doing this work in and there are so many people that are struggling with this and it's okay to be in this space. I think like I said there are so many tools out there that can help to take you out of that place where you feel crippled and overwhelmed by these emotions where you can use these tools to help you get through them so you can get to a place where you can actually take action and go and jump on Bumble again or go and sign up to a community group Because again, what happens is we feel too overwhelmed by all of the emotions that are getting triggered and all the core wounds that are coming up and all the trauma to be able to do anything about changing our lives. And this is how we get so stuck. So there is no shame in doing this healing work. And in fact, learning these skills, and this is why I'm so passionate about teaching this, is because I am here to teach you these lifelong skills that you will pass on to your friends, to your family, to your children to help you get unstuck whenever it is that you get to a sticky point in the life that you're leading. And if you are someone that is growing and evolving and changing, you're going to get stuck from time to time. Equipping yourself with these tools is key to being able to be able to have the trust in yourself to move through hard times. Thank you for listening. And if this episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Kathleen.MindsetCoach. And it would mean the world to me if you could share this episode to your stories, to your social media, to your group chat, or to a friend or family member you know that could really use this, that could really use talking about this topic. Sending so much love to you all. I'll be back in your ears next week. Episodes release every Monday. I'll see you soon. And that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you got value and if you love the podcast, I'd really, really love if you could rate, review and comment on the podcast below. And now for the fun part. 
I want to hear your biggest what to do when questions. Submit your question via the link in the show notes and we could be answering your question on the next episode of this podcast. I want this podcast and the coaching and the support that goes along with it to be in the back pocket of anyone and everyone who's on their own journey of self-discovery, of growth and of healing. It can be a lonely journey and I know that support and friendship goes a long way. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode to your social media pages or send it to your group chat or a friend or family member in mind. And as always, I'm here to support you in so many ways, this podcast being just one of them. If you're looking for additional support in creating the life that you've always envisioned, working through your issues that you've likely been avoiding for years, this is exactly what I do. My one-to-one coaching program focuses on building belief in yourself. Application and information about my online workshops and one-to-one coaching are all in the show notes. And I'll be here when you're ready to dive into the work. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. I want you to remember that you're doing enough, you're being enough, and that you deserve good things in this life. I'll see you next Monday morning for the next episode of the What To Do When podcast.